Hector Santia Esteban, and welcome to another episode of the Marketing Your Podcast show. And today we're chatting with a good friend of mine. His name is Nate Palmer. He is the author of The Million Dollar Body Method. He's the host of The Million Dollar Body Podcast. He's got a YouTube channel, really engaging Instagram page, and someone who I think really just brings a, a unique perspective to podcasting. Today we talked about some of the lessons that he learned over 140 episodes and also some ways that podcasters can better prepare themselves, their bodies, their minds to be at their best so that their show can be the best. It's a conversation that I definitely enjoyed selfishly, and I know that you guys are going to learn some stuff. So without further ado, let's get into today's interview with Mr. Nate Palmer. Welcome, 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 guys. We are here for another interview on the MYP show, and I am here with a good friend, but also a seasoned podcaster, Mr. Nate. So before we get into anything else, Nate, thanks for being here today, man. Dude, Hector, I'm so pumped I get a chance to talk to you today. Honestly, so like any actually, chance I can talk to you is great, but like to be on your podcast, oof. Well, we oof. actually hung out in person, like real life, like in real people, and it was great because our kids distracted themselves with each other, and we could have a, a nice meal and, and a nice adult conversation, and so so that was really fun, and I appreciate you welcoming me and my my circus into your home. Yeah, it was fun. I was. It's amazing to find out that you do exist in real life, and you're not just like an internet legend. So, well, I could be like in the metaverse already. Like it could Aren't be. It could be one of those things that's that's happening. For you guys who are, are listening into our rants and rambles, I want to thank you for, for being here. And, and whenever you are catching this, just appreciate you being part of the MYP family. And I want to encourage you guys to come and find both me and Nate, I think much more active on Instagram. I follow him and he's got new reels coming out all the time. And me on Twitter, I'm much more active on Twitter because I don't have to show my face as often. And so I, I really enjoy that. But I'm Hector underscore podcast. And so make it a little easier. Nate, what are you on Instagram and, and anywhere else that you think is, is important? I just changed my Instagram handle to be at million dollar body method, try to like keep the brand nice and tight. But uh, yeah, you can find me there. You can find me on Facebook at Nate Palmer or Nate training system. I think my Twitter handle is still Nate training and eight training. So Nate is the host of the million dollar body podcast. He also has a book that he's published. He's got a variety of, I know he's active on a lot of social channels. He has a coaching program. He's a trainer. I mean, he does a lot of things, but I wanted to bring him on because he's almost 150 episodes, right? Is that where we're some 141 this week, 141 episodes. And I was not shocked, but surprised because that's a lot of shows. Not that you've been doing it quietly, but there's some people who go out there and they make this big announcement and it's all you hear about. They're posting every day. Here's my show. Here's my show. Here's my show. And then crickets. And I'm shoot, I'm guilty of that too. But what I'm always impressed with is when I can see someone who has sustained something through the ups, through the downs, because they found either some real purpose in it or they found uh, some success with it or things are working. So I thought it would be when we were chatting over dinner and you just kind of casually mentioned that you were at 140 episodes, I said, we got to have you on because that's so powerful. People are, are excited to get to 30 and, and where I think we're right now at like 45 or so. But it's, it's a, it is a milestone in and of itself. And regardless of whether or not anybody listened to it, and we talk about how it plays into your business and all the things that it's done for that and brand and all that stuff. But I think even just the personal achievement of putting out 140 of anything is really exciting. So I wanted to dig into that and, and talk a little bit about some things that are working well for you and some things that you've done to grow and sustain it over the years. Cool. Yeah. So I think first, the big thing for me, like beyond like tactics, subjects and different things like that goes back to when I was younger and totally, I don't, I'm not like naturally good at a lot of things. Like I know that like I see people who I'm like, oh my gosh, you're an amazing athlete. And I know you played soccer and I see people like, oh, like you're really good at like 
video games or the stock market or, or whatever, whatever it is. And I'm like, I got really like envious of those people. And I remember this specific time I was at like church group. I was like 11, 12, 13, something like that. And we always had the foosball tables. And that was like a big thing. Guys would play before church, whatever else. So I would get there early and I would practice playing foosball. And there's this one guy who was just really good. And I always try to beat him. And I tried to beat him for like a year. I tried to beat him. And then one day I got him. And I think that moment in time sustained me for so long of like allowing myself to let the first rep suck. So like, I think back all to my, I have my blog. I've been writing blogs and stuff since high school. So I have like some really stupid ones out there that'll prevent me from ever being president. But like my fitness blog, natetrainingsystems.com started in 2011. And dude, if you go back and look at my old articles, they are dog shit. They are awful, hard to read, just like mega cringe, bro. So I'm not really worried about that because if, if like, if I was still writing the same way and I hadn't learned anything or gotten any better, then yeah, that's an issue. But like, I'm okay not being good up front. I know that like when you show up to a workout for the first time and you're trying a new exercise, or you're trying to swing a bat or hit a golf ball, you're not going to be good at it. And people who needed to be good at it right away, like I think deprive themselves from a lot of good stuff. So I feel like my mentality on a lot of these things kind of as taught to me by like weight training and doing some of these other things consistently is that like, I don't have to be good to start. I don't have to be even good at episode 20 or 30. Like I, I've, got an, I've got the time, I've got the patience, I've got the discipline to like keep it going. I'm having fun doing it, which is like a big thing for me. If I'm not having fun, I won't sustain it. But if I'm having fun and getting some modicum of success, like the podcast isn't big, right? I just hit my like 10,000 to 12,000 download. So nothing crazy, but it's been a lot. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a learning experience. I'm always getting a little bit better. I'm getting a chance to connect with other people about it. So yeah, I really like it a lot. Well, there's a couple of things that I'd like to unpack in there. And the first is like you mentioned not needing to be good on the first rep or even the 20th. And I think that so many people don't give themselves that time. I know when we try and you know give strategies or tips, like we talk about like having a runway, right? Like having a runway of content is usually what we talk about. You know, got to have you know X amount of episodes in the, in the queue so that it's sustainable. But what, what you're also talking about is having like a runway of patience or having a runway of acceptance or I don't know, whatever, like having, I don't know, maybe you could fill it in, but knowing that you're not going to be Joe Rogan episode one, even if you watch Joe Rogan's first, first couple hundred episodes, they're terrible. They're unwatchable. <laughs> so, so I think that that's just a really good point that not too many, you know, podcasters go in, they have this kind of shorter term thinking or if it works out in the first month or the first three months or six months or year, I mean, I think you're going on two, two, three years now, right? With the show. Yeah. I think I started like end of 2018. It was probably right after we first met. So that's probably why I'm sure we, I inspired you. Yeah. And I, just, I think you inspired you know, me, honestly. Yeah. It's definitely what it was. But you talked about blogging and, and then I know right now you're doing, you're really diving into reels, which I love. I love seeing the new reels that are coming out. I know you've been spending a lot of time heavily on, on Instagram for a while. If I'm not mistaken, maybe TikTok, but I'd love to know why you thought that the podcast was something worth investing time into, because especially personal training, it's a very visual and vis very aesthetic kind of medium. And I think that's why Instagram works so well for like fitness, for lack of a better term, influencers or whatever we want to call them, right? I mean, because it's very visual. You can show them the abs. You can show them your man bun. You can sh all those things work work for you, right? But 
podcast is not so much, right? I think that's why I like podcasts is really no one's going to see me. I don't have to like worry about what I look like or there's that element of it. So I'm curious why podcast was something that you thought would be beneficial to the brand, beneficial to, to your business and was something worth continuing to invest your time in over the years. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a really good question and good point about Instagram as well, being more, like more visual for that training element or being able to showcase like, Hey, here's how we do an exercise. I think there's like two reasons why I've really stuck with it for so long. And number one is like, I kind of consider myself like a thought leader. And I think that's what sounds like a little bit of like an egotistical thing. And it's not really, but like, cause I don't like to talk in the same way that a lot of trainers like to talk about fitness. A lot of it's all about like decrease, lower, get less, drop fat, like burn, burn. like just as like, it's almost like you're too much. You need to re reduce yourself. So my thought has always been, you know, we need to make training about getting better, improving yourself. And yes, you could lose weight. That's great. But are you building energy? Are you creating a better future? Are you becoming more able? Like, have you gone from like one push up to 10 push ups? You got your first pull up. These are things I think worth applauding that actually that we don't really focus too much on in the fitness community. So I, I have a different message, I think, than a lot of people. And I also love to tie in other aspects. So I, I consider Million Dollar Body kind of the intersection of physical success, financial freedom, and adventure. It's kind of like the, the blending of three things that I'm highly passionate about. So it's great for me to be able to have like Cody Sanchez come on and talk about buying businesses and investing on there, or Justin Donald come on and talk about how to create residual passive income through like purchasing the right assets, or someone like Joe Sanok come on and talk about his new book about the four-day work week, Thursday's new Friday. It's not just a purely like, hey, here's how we do squats. It's a really a lot more holistic, if you'll consider it that, for entrepreneurs, for dads, for busy people who want more out of life and like are not just going to settle for kale and halibut. Do you find that the interviews still, because my concern is why well, I wouldn't recommend that to a novice without any further instructions I'm going to try and find from you is do those interviews tend to have some sort of guiding theme when it comes to health and fitness? Like, does it, do they tend to relate back to that? Or do you find that, that having that wide range of guests just gives you just a different things to talk about? Well, at first, what I would always try to do is be like, well, how, what, what are you doing for your health and fitness? How does that play into your success in these other arenas? But like sometimes what ends up happening, like with Cody, like I didn't even have a chance to talk to her. She's like, I got 30 minutes. I just went at her with the investing because I was like, I'm so interested and you're so fun to talk to. So like, yeah, I would like to include that, but sometimes I don't get there because I get real excited. And I'm like, here's my prepared stuff. Throw that out the door. I'm trying to just ask you questions now. Yeah, I totally get that. What I also think is some people realize it, but I don't know that it's as apparent to hosts is the benefit of just having a medium or a place, a venue to have those conversations, right? Like just today, we wouldn't be having this conversation probably unless we were recording it. And so the, the fact that you have, I think for people who are attaching it to a business or have some sort of other thing that the podcast is driving, I think that's an undersold benefit of the show is just having a place to chat with those people. Have you totally. seen anything come of the conversations that you've had with some of these hosts over the, the 140 shows that you've done? I mean, like I've definitely seen spikes in certain episodes. If someone will promote the, promote the show or share it, like that's always great to, to, because everyone who's coming on like has entrepreneurs, business owners, investors as their target demographic. So we, we have that big overlap, but also like what you said about like having, getting a chance to have a conversation. I got, I recorded an episode with John Lee Dumas, like my second episode. I did get into an argument with him. I wasn't very smart. We I don't not think he likes me, but I got a chance to talk to him. <laughs> 
which is like way out kicking my coverage. I just like, I have no business talking to him uh, about anything, but I had a chance to, to chat with him. I've had a chance to talk with like some really, really cool, interesting people that like, and here's one thing I love about being a personal trainer is you get a chance to be in intimate conversations and in, like in an intimate relationship with all kinds of people. I worked in Seattle for a couple of years at this amazing gym called Pro Sports Club. And it was like Microsoft's gym. So I got to work with a lot of like CEOs and entrepreneurs and like people who are in like tech startups and stuff like in downtown Seattle. And I used to tell my wife, I'm like, Lindsay, give me any problem. Bring me the world's problems right now because my network of the people that I get a chance to talk to and connect with on a daily basis could solve anything. I firmly believe that. I had I was working with geniuses, people who were like C-level executives at Microsoft, someone who's like super high up in Amazon, people who had started three or four different different businesses. One guy who was like just like doing his thing coding at Amazon, but he told me a story about how when MySpace first came out, he would put broken image files on people's pages so when they refreshed them, it would put a cookie on their computer so that anytime they went to Amazon to buy stuff, he got he got profits off of that. So he had like this crazy business at 18 and got hired like right out of high school because he was just a savant at this sort of thing. And I got to talk to all those people and have like conversations and like the, the amount of growth and things like that that come from that, like there's no way to put a monetary price on that. And that's another thing I love about podcasting. It's just the the con connections, conversations. And like if nobody listened to my episode with Cody Sanchez, would I do it again? Thousand percent. I got so much out of it. It was incredible. What you mentioned getting into an argument with John Lee Dumas and <laughs> that's fantastic. That's so, that's so you, by the way, like that's, that's very, very Nate Palmer-esque. What would you do over? Like if you had to go back and, and start over, you said you would do it all again. So if you were going to have an encore at it or a Bueller's, you know, day off type thing, what, what kind of stuff would you want to know or, or do going into it again? I would record the intro after the fact. I tried to do the intro up front a lot of times and I'd be like, Hey, welcome back to another episode of Million Dollar Body Pies. I'm with Hector, and he's a guy. He's doing a lot of stuff: podcasting, talk. He's got hands for. Anyways, Hector, what do you do? Like my, it was just awkward, dude. A couple of times, like I recorded one with John Berghoff, and he was just like the, he was just such a gentleman about it. But my my intro was like, so John, just tell him about it, and he was like, uh. By if it, you guys like don't know who John program is, and he is he's someone who's been a big mentor in my life. I know for Nate as well. And the ironic thing is, is that he doesn't have like he hosted the Hal Elrod's podcast for a little while. If you know the Achieve Your Goals podcast, Bergoff took over while Hal was sick. But otherwise, he's one of the most brilliant guys I've ever met and has like no, no. <laughs> No way to like hear about. It. You have to like go to his events to be able to uh, learn from him. But as an aside, so um, I, would do, I would do that differently. I would also um, do a better job of my first uh, fifteen episodes. I was just like, I'm doing a podcast, and that's one of my strengths. Is like I am an agent of chaos. So like, if you want me to do something, like that shit is going to be done. Is it going to be perfect? Is it going to be finished? Will I have painted the whole thing? No, but I will start that. I will start it up right now. So like getting a little bit more dialed in with that sort of thing, having a good intro, I probably would have been like, hey, my first five episodes, here's what the podcast is about. It's all me. Then I probably would have done five episodes with like either client and then I'd do another five episodes with like experts. So kind of set the stage rather than just being like, I don't know, John Lee Dumas said he'd be on. I'll just do a 15 minute podcast. Episode. I don't know. I should probably listen to one of his before I go. He's in shape, maybe. 
I sent him a bot in the box. He never even sent me a thank you card, but I just don't think he likes me. So, well, anyway. maybe one day I get, I'll get really famous and I'll, and I'll be like, yeah, John Lee Dumas hates me. And, uh, and then he'll be like, I, I don't hate you. Like it's, I don't even think about you. I've never thought about you once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, I, I have not thought about, again about that interview <laughs> since, since then. And that box, it never made it to my house. So, yeah, it was in Puerto yeah. Rico. So I was like, ah, 50, 50, it gets there. Um, what what about you know you talked about the structure and i really like that idea of having five we did something on this show of having episodes of me and then having episodes of guests i wanted that to be a big part of it just because sometimes on these conversations you're not able to the info is very circuitous and sometimes it's better to have it really laid out but what else have you learned about your episodes or your guests or or planning from when it comes to looking forward to the next 150 episodes. What are things, what are your kind of your focuses now or things that you make sure to do um, when it comes to making new episodes? I, I don't just go and do stuff anymore. I, I do a lot more research. I try to figure out what people actually have questions about. And I've been doing this a long time now, so I have a pretty good idea of what the main pain points of the demographics that I'm working with are. And I try to hit those on a regular basis. So like, you'll notice that like, if you listen to an episode on fasting that I did a year ago, I did another episode on fasting like three months ago. So like, it'll be like, Hey, the top type of fasting you should, you should do. And then like three days of fasting you shouldn't do. So it was like similar topics, different approaches. I've learned some stuff since then. So I'm a lot more dialed in. I write out my podcast outlines way more previous today. We're talking about squats. All right. So when you squat, you want to make sure that it's all legs lift with your back. So like, I would just go and I would just say things and I was, pr I'm pretty good about fitness and nutrition. Like I've, I've been in the field for over a decade. I've written a bunch of articles. Like I've got, I've got a couple hundred YouTube videos. So I've done this, but podcasting is a different animal. And I don't think I really gave it the respect it deserved up front. So I would definitely spend more time like where I had, I have been like writing up the outlines, making sure that it's really good. And then also like when I don't read, like when I don't outline stuff, I am verbose and I'm not sure if you're getting that impression right now, but I talk a lot so I can stretch a 12 minute topic into like 36 minutes. No problem. So I just, I would like to, I would love to have have 20 minute episodes, but so far that goal has eluded me. <laughs> well, that's a good point. You tons of great points here, Nate. So I love the idea of the, the outline because I have done that too. And I've, I've given similarly, I don't have as many YouTube videos as you, but I've given a, as hundreds of public talks or talks and trainings or whatever it is. And so I, I know that I can just wing it, but I also know that the end product is so much better when there's a little bit of, even just a little bit of preparation goes, goes such a long way. And so I think that that's something that even veteran podcast hosts and kind of fall into. It's like today's interview. I know Nate, we're friends. He talks, he's got, he's got a fitness podcast. Like what, what else could, what else is there? But taking the time to write out a few questions, structure some stuff, have some, you know, call to actions, all those types of things are really important. I'm curious for you, what kind of, what, what tips would you give to a podcaster in terms of for their fitness or for their health? I mean, I think that's kind of a, a tough question, I'll admit, because podcasters are, how do you define what a podcaster is? They come in all shapes, sizes, whatever. But I'd imagine that they're all creatives. They're all creators. They're all, I would imagine that most of the time podcasts aren't their main, I mean, it's very rarely that that's their main business or job or anything like that. So I'd imagine that they're, they're juggling lots of things. So what, what sort of things would you say to, to optimize their health or creativity when it comes to, to making and producing a show? 
Yeah, this is a great question. I, I'm glad you didn't ask me like, what would I give them advice on for like more podcasting things? Cause I'd be like, I don't know, don't do the things I did that were wrong. That's my, like, that's my go-to advice. Like pretty much in every area of life. You wanna hear about my four failed businesses, how long I sucked at fitness, happy to share that. But what I would tell someone, and this is a like, I love talking about this stuff because yeah, you're right. Like some people might be like really athletic and some people might be kind of middle of the road. Some people might be like, need to lose a few pounds, whatever, whatever that looks like. But the one thing that I know about podcasters, like you were saying, is that these people are doing this because it's fun for them. It's a new business opportunity. They're not doing this most of the time as like their primary thing, unless they're Joe Rogan. So look, what I think of that person as is kind of like a mental athlete. So someone who doesn't necessarily need to go out and run a 5K, but needs to be focused, needs to be on point. Interviewing in itself is a skill. Presenting by yourself and monologuing for 20, 30 minutes, that's a skill. And you can't just show up after eating a, like a cheeseburger and be like, oh, I guess we'll just do it. Well, you can, but those shows suck and you can hear it in their voice. You can hear like tiredness, the lethargy, like the, I just want to wrap this up and crawl under a desk. So what we need to do is we need to set ourselves up in a position to have great energy. And I like, I think of this a couple different ways. Number one, making sure that your blood sugar is on point because blood sugar really impacts how you're feeling, your mood, your energy, like in a huge way that people aren't even aware of. Number two, making sure that you are in what's called a sympathetic nervous system dominant state. And doesn't like people think sympathetic nervous system, that's like fight or flight. I think of it as like shake and bake because not a lot of like saber tooth tigers jumping out of bushes to eat you. So not a ton of flight going on in our normal life. So we just want to be a little bit engaged, a little bit like up, right? And I think of this as kind of like the hunting mentality. If you're a little hungry, you're going to be way better at hunting a woolly mammoth than if you are stuffed full after, right? And that's, this is an evolutionary trait that we have because we're going to be more focused. We're going to have more mental acuity. We're going to be able to see more things. Our brains are going to be able to take in more individual data points. And you just like, you ever had that day, Hector, where you're like, I am killing it today. Crushed my interview. I uh, like, I finished this amazing email sequence. I had this meeting. I was totally like on point for, I finished all my work in like an hour. You ever had that day? Yeah. Yeah. So it like, comes when I don't eat though in the morning. <laughs> yes. If you want to get more done, you need to eat less. Okay. So, cause when you eat a big meal, number one, it can spike your blood sugar depending on what you're having. But number two, it shifts you into rest and digest. That's parasympathetic nervous system dominance. And most of the time, that's not what we're looking for during a podcast. People can hear that in your voice. So like you said, on days when you don't eat, generally those things kind of just pop off more. So what I want to always do is help people get to the point where they can engineer those days and have them regularly on demand rather than just being like, oh my goodness, what a nice day that was. What, how random. So all that preamble, like I said, super verbose to say, if you want, before you do a podcast, you want to make sure that you are eating really, really light. Okay. So most of the time we're kind of doing these in the middle of the, like morning, mid afternoon, like that sort of thing. So in that case, what I like to do is have a high protein, high fat breakfast. And this is an easy way to like have like a protein shake. Okay. So yes, you can fast. You can do a 16 hour fast. Like that totally works if that's, if that works for you. But the problem I run into with that is that once you hit lunch, it's tempting to have a bigger lunch and then your rest of your afternoon is kind of crushed. So I prefer to have a, a light, solid base for your breakfast. So that can be like eggs and avocado, a protein shake with peanut butter, something super easy, high proteins, high fat, low carbs. Then for lunch, whether you're depending on you're doing your podcast before lunch or after lunch, you're like anytime before four, we just want to keep our carbohydrates nice and low. So that way our blood sugar is nice and even. We're not getting these spikes and dips, spikes and dips that we kind of encountered like 10, 30 AM. And you're like, wow, I'm tired right now. Probably have a, have a half a donut, wake me up. 
2.30 p.m., you're like, I'm getting sleepy again. 9 p.m., you're in the fridge being like, what should I eat? Probably this old piece of cheese in the butt of this bread. Like, you just kind of like your tolerance for whatever you'll eat goes down and down after you, after you get a little bit tired. Anyways, so having a, a light lunch, like high proteins, chicken thighs, kind of my favorite for this, with some vegetables, eat the rainbow. I love baby carrots for this, high vitamin and like nutrient density. So proteins and fats for breakfast, proteins and vegetables for lunch. And if you follow that framework, you're going to feel so good all day. And it also gives you this great ability to have, be more relaxed at dinner. It's like, I think of it as an insurance policy. So like, if you do go out and you're like, I'm having the mac and cheese and six beers, you're like, all right, well, that's, you didn't really eat that much carbs for the day. So it's not that bad, not that big of a deal. I think it was you. And if it's not, I'm going to give you credit here that posted this graphic of, and it's a really simple graphic, but it just talked about proteins, fats, and carbs. And it was this chart that said the the fat was high in the morning and kind of went down in the evening. And then it was opposite for the carbs where it was very low in the morning and up in the, in the exponential growth. Yeah. On the carbs. Yeah. yeah. Did you like that? I'm glad I'm, I'm, thanks for bringing that up. Cause I, I was like, I think it's an interesting way of thinking about it, but well, it's, it's, it's something that intuitively I found, but if someone would have said, here's, here's the system. This is here. Follow this. I'd be like, oh, well, that's that's that makes sense. That's that took me nine months to figure out (laughs) of my own kind of planning and stuff like that, because growing up, I remember I had the the standard, the sad diet, right? Standard American diet. I remember growing up my favorite and still to this day is if I am eating breakfast, I love a ham and cheese croissant. Oh, my God. Do I love myself a good ham and cheese croissant? Jesus Christ. From mom's donuts. The best. Not my mom's. That was literally the place called Mom's Donuts. But my point in saying that was, like you said, by 10 o'clock, <clears throat> I would be so sluggish, right? By 2.30, I would be scratching just to get to the end of the day. And it, it just seemed like, even to some people who tell me, when I tell them, yeah, I don't I don't eat breakfast or like my, my wife's uh, grandma lives with us. She'll make food for lunch. And if I say no, like she gets upset, like she's like offended. I'm like, no, nah, I just don't eat lunch, right? It's such a foreign concept to some people or the idea of not eating a bagel or a donut. And so what do you say to people who are new to these types of ideas or they're so accustomed to that standard diet that these things, I don't know, seem complicated or seem foreign or maybe even just like that's for, for somebody else? Mm. Yeah. So I think a lot of times what this comes down to me for me is like, what do you want? Like, if someone's like, I don't know, that sounds stupid. I'll be like, all right, great. That's okay. Like it can be stupid to you, but it depends on what you want. Because I think a lot of us, we have outputs that we're looking for by outputs. I mean, goals, expectations, how you want your afternoon to go is something as simple as that. You have a, you got a list. You're trying to knock stuff off your to-do list, right? That's your output. Finish that in the afternoon. But then we take our inputs and we're like, okay, our output is here. My input is fries and two beers for lunch. And like now, like your input and your output do not match. So if we can get your inputs and your outputs to match. So like, it's like, what do you want? Find this out. And if you want to fall asleep in the afternoon, okay, great. Have those fries and beers. That's no problem. When you can connect your outputs and your inputs together and you can like, you can start figuring out what knobs to twist and what levers to pull in your own body and your own biochemistry. There's such a freedom in that. And like, I don't, I'm not here to like convince anyone. If you details, the science, like the nitty gritty, go grab my book. I can give, I'll give it to your audience for free. You can just go to n8trainingsystems.com slash book. You can download the Kindle version or the the PDF. Either way is fine. Or you can get on Amazon. Don't care. So you can check that out. I don't want to go into like the weeds on the, on like the science, but like the bottom line is 
Hector, you said it took you nine months to figure this out intuitively. And that's actually really fast because most of the time people aren't paying enough attention to their energy, things to the signals their body is sending to even understand this. So what I would encourage anyone listening to do who's on the fence, skeptical is try this shit out. Just run it. Bruce Lee said, take what's useful, reject what's not and add what's uniquely your own. I'm not trying to tell you that I have the number one best thing that you should follow for the rest of your life. I'm trying to tell you that I have a framework that works for a ton of entrepreneurs and mental athletes everywhere. But some of them are like, I eat, I'll have a little bit of this. I'll do, or I'll do this differently, or I'll add this to my shakes. And they may, they've added things in that work for them. And that's what we're looking for. I don't need someone to follow a plan blindly for the rest of their life, but I want to give the tools, the framework, the recipe to be successful. No matter if you are in someone else's house, you're going to a potluck, you're at a hotel, you're going to fast food. You always know what to do. Nate, this is, like I said, has been a, such a, a fantastic and insightful, right? I mean, what I really appreciate is you said that you didn't want to come and give tips and stuff like that. But I, I took so much from from your, you know, experience and your stories. And then I think that the the nutrition aspect for podcasters is just probably not something that's paid much attention to, right? I'd imagine that a lot of them might might be in that kind of Cheeto finger stage, because that's just where they were. And they're now kind of, you know, diving into this and, and realizing that they need to to optimize their their body and their mind a little bit more. This has been been so fun. And uh, I'm excited that we just get to chat more. Send my love and my thanks to to the fam. My kids miss Rena already. They want to go back. So we will uh, we'll see you soon. And I think this will be out like next week or so. So I'll, I'll get you all that stuff. Like that. Thanks for listening to this Toolbox episode of the Marketing Your Podcast show. We know there are plenty of podcasts that you could be listening to, and we're excited that you decided to join us today. I would encourage you to go back and listen to the other Toolbox episodes and find ones that are most relevant to your show. If you have any requests for future shows, come and find me on LinkedIn. That's Hector, H-E-C-T-O-R, Santi Esteban, S-A-N-T-I-E-S-T-E-B-A-N, and connect with me there. And of course, if you enjoyed the show today or any of our other episodes, We'd be forever grateful if you decided to give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast provider. We hope you're having an amazing day and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Marketing Your Podcast Show.